Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. His word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I said amen. And that is precisely what God is going to do for you today in Jesus' name. And it will come to pass that today the word will enter your heart afresh. You will have new understanding. I say you have new understanding. And healing of every sort will come into your body. All right, let's get into our teaching for today and get ready to receive the power of God into our lives. Amen? Amen. All right, quickly, let's open our Bibles again like we did last time to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 32. I just feel like reading that one again. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 32. What I like um, specifically about that is where he said in verse 9, the Lord's portion is his people and Jacob is the allotment of his inheritance. Remember what we are doing is just discussing spiritual facts about our lives, about what God did for us in Christ Jesus. We are discussing spiritual facts concerning who God is, who Jesus is to us. And my belief is that, or my faith, my, I trust God that as we are doing that, faith is automatically creeping into our hearts. We have established that, listen, for somebody who has given his life or her life to Christ, who has the spirit of God, the seed of God inside him or her, what you need is to be exposed to spiritual truths. And then you accept those spiritual truths, and faith is automatic. Faith is not something you deliberately try to stir up by itself. No. God has put inside you a, like a seed of faith. It's already inside your heart. So what we need to do is to acquaint ourselves with spiritual facts. Faith comes into our hearts automatically. And we've been looking at that um, uh, truth. Okay, so among the things we have seen, we have been emphasizing the fact that we are the Lord's special people. Last time I spent most of my time, I believe that was what the Holy Spirit wanted us to learn that time, explaining the fact that there is no special person elsewhere on this earth. Sometimes Christians speak as if they are an afterthought. I've heard people say it, that if the Jews had accepted Jesus, the Gentiles would have been doomed. I hope, I hope you're getting my point. That, I'm sorry to say, is not a true statement. It is not true because Jesus was the aim of everything. And when he arrived, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of how, people, how many people? The whole world. When God made the promise, there were no Jews. The first promise was made to Adam. Okay? That was when he made the first promise. So Jesus came for everybody. And the plan of God was to save the whole of mankind. That was always his plan. Nobody was special in the beginning. But in the pursuit of that plan, he selected a group of people to walk with him to bring the Savior onto the earth. And that has been done. So I emphasized that the church, some people will say that don't ever replace the church with, the, with Israel. Israel has special promises and the church has special promises. Again, I say that is totally not true. That every promise of God to anybody on this earth has been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And when you come into that Christ Jesus, there is neither Jew or Gentile. That is what the issue is. I hope you're following my point here. When you come into Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. 
And that's why you see the words. They say that, okay, uh, um, that there's what they call replacement theology. I talked about it last time. That people say that um, the, the church has replaced Israel. I said, again, that is looking at it the wrong way. Jesus did not replace Adam. I hope you're following my point. All right? Jesus did not replace Jacob. No, these were stepping stones to the coming of Jesus Christ. All right? It's so important we get the point. These were stepping stones to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, the aim from the beginning was the church. The church is not replacing anybody. The church was what we're working towards from the beginning. And one of the stepping stones towards the entrance or to fulfillment of God's ultimate plan was the covenant that he had with Moses on the, on the Mount Sinai. And that was part, that's within the nation of Israel, the way we know it in the Bible, that was their part to play. He said to them was committed the oracles of God. God committed his sayings to them. The prophets that wrote the scriptures were all of that heritage, all of them. But the aim from the beginning was the Lamb of God that takes away whose sins? Of the whole world. It wasn't taking away the sins of the descendants of, um, uh, what do you call it? Jacob alone. And I kept, kept on jumping Abraham because Abraham's seed, Abraham's seed, the promise was to who? To Abraham and to his seed. That promise is whom? Christ. Paul told us clearly in that book of Galatians. So let's bear that in mind. What I wanted to emphasize there is that so, every, anybody that's in Christ is special to God. So when he said Israel is the allotment of his inheritance, he was talking about you, he was talking about me, he was talking about every believer in Christ Jesus. It is out of order for us to be looking for special people elsewhere. Sometimes we hear people, I've heard people say, now let me just say this for emphasis. I heard one reverend father, one of our brothers sent the, the, the clip to me the other time. And <laughs> he said, Pastor, I forgot, I forgot who said it to me exactly. One reverend father in Abuja was preaching. And he said, what are Christians looking for? They say they are going to Jerusalem. They are going for a pilgrimage. He says, the God over there better than the one down here. He said, the Muslims, he was now speaking to government. He said, government, please, let our Muslim brothers go anywhere they want to go. But the money, don't use money to support any Christian say he wants to go anywhere for pilgrimage. And he has my support 100%. He said, give us the money. As we are sharing for the Muslims, give us our portion. We use our own to do other things locally. He said, we use our own to build hospitals and schools and stuff like that. He said, but any Christian telling you he's going somewhere, he's just deceiving himself. Christians still use terms like holy land till today. And they say with reverence. And I look like, which Jesus do you believe in? Did you not hear him say, when the woman asked him in that book of, um, uh, what do you call it? John chapter 4. He said, where should we worship? In the mountain or in Jerusalem? And he said, the time is coming. And now is. And he emphasized to that woman that the concept of special geographical locations is being done away with. He said, those who will worship him, worship him how? In spirit and in truth. He said, those are the people he's seeking to worship him. And Christians still gather and say they are going on pilgrimage. Christians don't go on pilgrimage. We go on tourism. What did I say? We don't go on pilgrimage. We go on what? It's pure tourism. We are touring. Do you know? (laughs) I have a classmate who says he doesn't believe in God. He said something to me that I had a good laugh. He asked me a question. He said, Banky, have you ever been to Israel? I said, no. Now, please, he, he, he meant no disrespect. <laughs> I'm saying that because, you know, these days of uh, social media, everything is, you have to be politically correct. He said, those people, said they are criminals. They should go to jail. 
Now, he's not a Christian. He doesn't pretend about it. All right? Today he'll tell you he doesn't believe there is God. His favorite author is, um, I think it's Hitchkins or Dawkins, one of those people. For those of you who know about those atheistic philosophers, you know these are the two prominent, most prominent ones in these modern days. Those are his favorite authors. But he said to me, he said, those people are criminals. I said, why did they say they are criminals? I burst into laughter. He said, they showed me the house because he went to Israel for something. He said, they showed me the house where Joseph and Mary were living. And he said, that's where Jesus lived as a little boy. He said, so he asked the tall guide, how did you know? <laughs> he said, how did you find out? He said, the tall guy looked at him like he came from Satan himself. He said, the fellow looked at him like, what? Nobody asked that kind of question. He wanted to know. How will you guys know? After all these years? How do you guys know? Of course, he had no answer for him. Of course, I burst into laughter. I said, don't mind me. No, mind them. Nobody knows that everything is created to feed our curiosity, our interest. And when we we'll go there and go and kneel down for prayer, somebody is worrying your spirit, not only your head. So this is where Jesus was as a little boy. So, did he leave the anointing there? He was not even anointed that time. One of my friends is a pastor. He, he followed some people as a government official on tourism. Well, on pilgrimage, sorry. <laughs> it's really tourism. He said, Pastor Vanky. He said, Pastor Vanky, you see how those rolling in the ground. So this is the grave of Jesus Christ. He said, they'll be rolling in there. He said, will be looking at them like, what? Who will be parking sand? I, I trust those my guys, but they'll put sand there for you to park. Very soon, they'll bottle the sand. $50 a bottle. No, they find the bottle. They, you know, they have footsteps where Jesus used to walk. So Romans came, destroyed everything, and left the footsteps for you. <laughs> Listen to me, all of those things, eh? How, how do I describe that, them now? Scam, that's one. It's pure scam. You are the one that wants to see it. I, I preached that like that once here. I one brother that came at the end, and showed me two different pictures. That is, modern day upper room. Depending on the tourist company that carries you, the upper room can be this one or the other one. And they call it upper room, where, the, where they ate the last supper. And it's still standing after all these years. Whether it is the upper room or the lower room, doesn't concern me. Henceforth, we know no man after the flesh. Even if we know Jesus Christ after the flesh, henceforth, we know him thus no longer. One thing we know, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creature. Our Christianity is spiritual. I hope you're getting my point. It's spiritual. We don't care where the grave that Jesus Christ laid was. Whichever one says, they are all empty. Thank you. And if there's anybody in there, it's not Jesus Christ. You bury somebody there after him. What's our business? You will now carry your hard-end money. Or you didn't hard-end anything. Your God-sent money. Can I use that expression? And now waste it in going to sightseeing. I have no problem with sightseeing. You may as well go and see hippopotamus in Kenya. But please don't come and impress, try to impress us that you've been to Jerusalem. So, those of us who have not gone there will get to heaven before you. So, what are you, what's the noise you are making? Believe me, I'm not planning to go to Jerusalem. Do you know why? I don't want to set a bad example for people. Before, because if I go, they say, Pastor Banky went. So, everybody will now start going, I'd rather go to Paris. Yeah, you get my point? Than go to Jerusalem. What do you want to show me that I don't know already? Jesus died on the cross. Will you bring, put the cross there? Anyone you put there is fake. The pictures I've seen is enough, and they are not even necessary. You know why? Because our faith is spiritual. We don't draw down this, you know, material lineage. Who's a Jacob? In Christ Jesus, everybody is one. 
There is no land. I'm talking about holy. Who people are talking about land is holy. Which land is holy? When God spoke to Moses, remove your sandals from your feet because you are standing where? On where? Holy ground. Was he standing in the promised land? Please answer me now. You don't look convinced. Was that Jerusalem? Was that the best place of Jesus Christ? Golgotha. <laughs> he was somewhere in the desert or in the, the wilderness where he was tending sheep. And then the presence of God makes a place holy. I hope you're getting my point. My bedroom is holy, holy bed and holy land ground. My bed is holy. It is holy. Do you know why? That is where the Lord sleeps. He doesn't sleep really, but since he cannot sleep, I sleep for him. As a, as a matter of fact, my house is holy. Where is God's address? He said, if any man loves me, he will keep my word. Then the Father will love him. And I and the Father will come and do what? Make our abode with. It's different from him dwelling in you. But there's something he said, we'll make our abode with him, which means that Jesus sleeps in my house when he comes to the earth. If I obey his word. I'm not joking about that. You know, he comes in physical flesh, that resurrection body, he moves around. So when he comes to Enugu sometimes, he says, let me stay overnight. He comes, takes a bed, and sleeps. Amen? Amen. Do you know where he sleeps? My house. Huh? My house. Whose house? My house. I share your house. Yes. It's my house. Yes, that's what he does. He comes around our homes. Why? He said, if any man loves me, he will keep my word. What am I saying of these things? Sometimes Christians look at themselves as if they are inferior to another race of people. And also, I've been saying that for the last um, few meetings in this series, that the lost portion is his people. The best that God ever brought forth in the whole of creation is the new creation in Christ Jesus. Jews and Gentiles are inside there. When they are inside there, they are no longer Jews, they are no longer Gentiles. They are just the church of God. They are just the people of God. They are called the saints of God. Called saints. Paul referred to them. That is, they have been called as saints. There is no special blessing outside. Sometimes I hear Christians say that the preachers, it pains me. I was saying the other day that the preacher said that he, could, he showed their government how things have gone wrong with them every time they dealt, they broke a covenant or they, they did not favor the physical nation of Israel. It's, it was a pity because I couldn't, it's late now, I couldn't reach the man. I wanted to say that your analysis maybe is true. I'm not saying it's false. But have you ever tried to see how your nation fared every time they went against the word of God or they went against the people of God locally or internationally. Just by the way. Just by the way. Thank God for, you know, you know Donald Trump, President Trump of the United States. He did a lot of things in a funny way. But you know, one thing I'm setting off concerning him is that of all American presidents, he's been one of the most favored by God. Yes, you can argue. This is not the gospel. It's my opinion. It's my opinion. It's, how, it's my opinion. But the only thing you will ask me why. Some people say, he's a, what's that thing about miso women? Miso genius, whatever it is. That one has no meaning. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's good, though. But that's not high in God's priority list. They say he didn't pay taxes. He's not high in God's priority list. Why do I think he's one of the most favored? That he will be on record. One of the most favored. God will forgive his sins. All that one is treated women wrongly, God will forgive. Because there was no, in all my adult life that I've been watching international things, I've not seen one U.S. president that openly defended the church like him. Not one. I've not seen one. They've all campaigned, though. 
I heard our president went there. You know, he, he was, I mean, he's a brash man. He doesn't have all this diplomatic courtesy. Just told him straight, why are you persecuting Christians in Nigeria? That one like, me? When did I do that? You, he put you on the defensive. A pastor was arrested and kept under house arrest for years under Barack Obama. That of our bros did nothing. They were trying to use him to, you know, negotiate for the uh, no, repatriation. Is it, what do they call repatriation? Now, when they send somebody home. Is that the correct word? Uh, anyway. That they will deport, and that's the word I'm looking for. That those guys will send Golan. There's one Islamic cleric in the U.S., a Turkish cleric. So they want him back home. If you know, I don't know if those of you have been following it. They closed a lot of, most uh, Turkish schools in Nigeria closed at a particular point in time because they said they are, they, they are influenced by that man. That's why they, so the Turkish government went against them, so wanted them closed in every place. But the man is in the United States. So, they, of course, you know the way they do, you arrest um, a Chinese big woman, then China will arrest two Canadian people, charge them for spying and lock them up. As long as that woman is under lock and key in Canada, those two men are under Canadian detention too. So that's what they did with this man. The moment Donald Trump became president, he had that man sent home by force. You know, the man was uncouth. He didn't understand all this niceness. He warned the Turkish people that I will, cry, I will, I will deal with your economy. If that pastor is not back home in a short while. The man that had been locked for years under Obama, Obama said nothing. He came into power and said, hey, where's my pastor? Sunday I was arrested. He, he said he didn't do anything. I want him home. Within two weeks, the man was back home. Within two weeks, he was back home. What I'm going to say is that all these stories tell you that if you favor Jews, you'll be blessed. Listen, better favor Christ if you are looking for blessings. That's what I'm trying to explain. We have taken the glory of Christ and given it to Jacob. It's not right. It's not right. Every promise, of, like I, I've been saying it, please. I love Jews. I love Gentiles. I love Arabs. I like people from Oji here. People from everywhere. Turkish people, they are my beloved. Australian, whites, and Aborigines, I love all of them. I love, the, I love the Arabs in the Middle East. I love the Palestinians. I love the Jews of Jerusalem. I love men everywhere. However, what is God doing? Somebody say Christ. Christ. What God is doing is Christ. What God is doing is Christ. What he's doing is Christ. There is no promise he has for anybody outside Christ Jesus. My emphasis is that if you are in Christ Jesus, don't forget that. That's my emphasis. If you are in Christ Jesus, don't forget it. There is nobody more beloved than you on this earth. You are the only one that can decide to walk away from that love. Please bear it in mind. There is nobody more beloved than the believer in Christ Jesus in this universe of God. Nobody more beloved on God, of God than the believer in Christ Jesus. If you are a believer in Christ, know that you are favored. That's what I've been trying to emphasize. Last time, I said, a preacher said, hey, I wish I were a Jew. I said, for what? For what? For what? There is nothing. There's no advantage to it. The real advantage is in Christ. In Christ, there's no Jew. There's no Gentile. There's only saints. Every believer in Christ is what? A saint. He is loved by God. She is loved by God. Once you're a believer in Christ Jesus, you are beloved. When he talks about the allotment of inheritance, I want you to understand that you are the lost portion and you are the allotment of his inheritance. That is, I said something last time, if I bought those portions of land, remember, assuming somebody took my diamond, running away, scattered them all over you know, a large tract of land, and then we fence everything around, and it's been caught for sale. I go and look for money and buy every portion. Assuming I have these big lumps of diamonds, worth a million dollars each. 
and there are 300 of them. And there are 300 plots that I need to dig through to get my diamonds back. I look at the current cost of a million dollars in Nigeria, over 400 million naira. And somebody said that each plot of land is going for uh, 10, 10 million. Of course, I'll buy everything. I will literally sell all that I have. You are getting my point. Then I dig through all the portions of land. What am I looking for? My diamond. What am I looking for? My diamond. I'm not looking for any other thing. I'm looking for my diamond. Every other, look, if you have houses in that place, I'm, it's not, they are not of interest to me. If you have your poultry farm, there is not of interest to me. I will kill all the birds in case anyone swallows my diamond. It's true now. I'll pay you. I'll say, okay, how much is it? Foul. Tell me it's 4,000 naira. How many birds do you have here? Say 1,000. Okay, good. 4,000 times 1,000. How much is that? 4 million. I pay you off. Move. While you are watching, I slaughter all your birds. I will burn them to ashes and sieve the ashes because you know my diamond will not burn. Please, I hope you are following my point. That's the meaning of the lost portion is his inheritance. So if God comes to Enugu now, I hope you are following me. If he comes to Enugu now and he has to pick his things before he leaves, do you think he'll leave me behind? He can't. I can assure you of one thing. I'm the one he'll come looking for. Is he coming to look for you? Are you sure? The answer I mean, I'm the only one preaching. Better say, preach your own preacher. You are sitting down there. Ah. I've collected all the blessings. They are sitting down looking at me. If the Lord were to come to Enugu now, what will he be looking for? When he's coming with his plane, there's a special seat with my name on it. If they say there's a tsunami about to drown the whole city, don't worry about it. He's coming with a plane. Nobody should sit on my seat. Otherwise, you are going to be ejected through the roof. The lost portion is his people. I want you to bear that in mind. The lost portion is his people. And I'm describing the fact that the believer in Christ Jesus is a lost portion. You should wake up every morning feel blessed. That you just wake up and just be smiling. Let neighbors be looking at Why are you smiling like you are, you are drunk? Just keep smiling. And when they say, what's going on? Did you win jackpot? Say, more than jackpot. Say, I discovered that I am the lost portion. In this whole neighborhood, with all the expensive homes, maybe you look at houses there, houses worth, you know, scores of millions of naira. And then you come out, stand on the street, wearing singlet and knicker. And just look to the left and the right. They think you're admiring the houses. No. You are checking how valuable you are. That compared to all these expensive things, me, I'm most valuable. That if the Lord were to come here, he will, he will step on the house to reach me. I don't know whether I get the point. He will, when I say step, I don't mean step on it for step. Crush it out of the way. Kick the building out of the way. And it's worth a hundred million naira just to reach me. And I'm wearing only boxers. You know why? Because I'm the lost portion. If he has to dig through the whole nation of 200 million people to find me, he will do that. And let me say something that doesn't sound nice, but it's the truth. What I want to say doesn't sound nice. People don't like to hear it. If he has to kill a million human beings to rescue only me, he will do it. Doesn't sound nice. Though. Some people haven't said amen, they don't believe it. They are saying the amen, but they don't believe. Me saying it, I believe it 100%. I said it last time, listen, God gives everybody a chance. Please go and read my tract if you haven't read it. Are we all equal before God? For information, we are not. I didn't say, are we all human beings before God? Did I say that? What did I ask? Are we, all, we are not all equal. If we're all equal, why did God stop to discuss with Abraham? Why didn't he come to, why didn't he go to discuss with Lot? Isn't, isn't Abraham that's outside? Lot was inside. And he said, Lot, come, I need to talk to you. Do you know the reason why they visited Lot? Abraham prayed for him. If we were all equal, why did God kill so many people to test Job? Do you know how many people died? Headsmen attacked Job's farm. They attacked Job's head. 
took a, killed his servants and they said it was a temptation for Job. Does that mean, I mean, are they not human beings? Listen, those days I used to read it and wonder. They did not say the men were being tempted. How can you tempt a man that's dead? I hope you get my point. They killed them, so they are not the ones being tempted. They killed men. Some of them probably had wives and maybe children. So they killed a family man to tempt Job. Does that make sense? I mean, normally. If God was thinking the way we thought. I heard people say before, we are all children of God. Who lied to you? They did not say to them that received him, he gave what? The power to become. How can you say we are all? Why is he not giving some people the power to be? You are the son of your father. You are not automatically children of God. It's not, being a child of God is not automatic. It's a deliberate choice that we make and we achieve it through our faith in Christ Jesus. We are not all the same. If you have not believed in Christ Jesus, me and you not there for the same category. That's the point I'm making. If you have not believed in Christ, me and you are not on the same category. In the same category, we are not. Which category are we? I will explain. I'm a child of God. My life is hid with Christ in God. I'm seated with him in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers. True of us? If you have not believed, you are seated down in low places, being eaten day and night by witches and wizards. I'm back to my witch matter again. That is what... <laughs> I have ne- I'm not kidding about what I'm telling you. In my life, Maybe my mother and my father prayed that prayer before I can remember. That is when I was still very small. But since I became aware and I began to pray my own prayers, I've never prayed that a witch would not get me. Some people can't close their eyes if you are eating food, lest a witch passes and poisons the food. I know my neighbor, everywhere he goes, he doesn't eat. Why? He doesn't know the kind of people that are there. Me? I've been to many villages in this Awainugu. And as far as, uh, where do we go? Anambra. Where do we go to villages? We've gone to villages all around. We've even gone to villages in Ebony, everywhere. I've gone for weddings, funerals, and everything. And whatever they put before me, I eat without asking questions. Is that not in the Bible like that? And whatever they put before me, I drink also. Sometimes in a, it's, in a, it's white. They use leaf to cover the mouth of the keg. Boy, <laughs> my name is Jesus Christ. This is your wedding. How can I come for your wedding and there will be no wine? It doesn't make any sense. They even photographed me with one. I saw the picture the other day. <laughs> I mean, I traveled from Eno going down to Udi, somewhere inside Udi there. And I'll now come and be drinking the same Fanta they drank in Enugu. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make any sense. Do you have witches in that village? That's your problem. Once I sat down, they went to the next compound. You're not aware? Man, pass man. Once I sat, they went to the next compound. If you are afraid, would you come for your wedding? Invite me. Because once I sit, they have to. They are in the next compound, and they'll be peeping over the fence. Has he gone? They say no. So if you want to be really safe, there's no problem. I wait for bride and groom to travel first before I leave. All they'll be doing is doing me like this. They can If they, if I, if they eye me too much, I'll make sure the the coven chief goes blind. But if I look you back, that's, it. That's, that's the last sight you will see until you give your life to Christ. Pastor Wange, this your juju is strong, very strong. Very strong. It was cooked on a cross. I hope you get my point. To make this my concussion, they bled Jesus Christ. Some people, they use goats to make their concussion. That is why it feels when there's emergency. Because the goats don't die. <laughs> I hope you get my point. My own concussion, with the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Anybody tells me we are the same, the person doesn't know what he's saying. I will say it loud, let everybody hear. I am superior to every witch on this earth. Every single one, including the one that's heading Illuminati, whether if it really exists. You know the truth? They know. Or they are aware of it. They are very, very conscious of that fact. You know, I tell the story all the time. Of the day a bat appeared in my bedroom, out of nowhere. It was as if it came out of the wall. Of course, later on, we knew what really happened. But when it first came out, it was as if it appeared out of nothing. Why? Because I remember that, that not where we live, now we used to live. My bedroom, it was a hot day. The AC was on, which meant what? All the windows were shut. Even when they were open, how would they pass through? Every window had screens, nets. Doors closed, windows shut. And my wife was lying down, suddenly said, see bat. And as she said it, you know, peripheral vision, I saw something fly past. And at that point, I think I entered into my wardrobe. I locked the door on it while we had visitors. I think it was Bishop and his wife that came to see us that day. So I closed the window, the, the wardrobe door. Say, stay there. You're not good anywhere. I don't catch you today. Of course, we went down, finished with our brethren that came to visit. And I, I made a joke with them. I said, I have a witch upstairs. Let me go and deal with the witch. Say joke. I opened the door, trapped the, the bat in the bat. Of course, he too was trying to come out. As soon as I opened the door, he didn't know I had a big basket waiting. Bam! He flew into the basket. I covered the basket. I just told them, throw it out. They went outside, opened the basket, allowed it to fly away. So, what was the story? There's no story. That's the end. <laughs> There's no story. Why do I tell the story therefore? It's to let you know that in Africa, that's supposed to be a witch. We're supposed to kill it and burn it <laughs> to ashes. And we must do Thanksgiving. And my wife and the children and me will gather around and sing songs of praise. We have overcome our enemy. And of course, on Sunday, we'll go to church and testify. They came. They, they came. And when they came, the Lord granted of victory. It was the week we ended the fasting and prayer in church. And the anointing upon this commission was still hot. And then the, the God of our Papa was speaking. And the God had death to kill a bat. You needed the anointing on your bishop to kill a bat. You needed the anointing upon the whole ministry, apostle, to kill a bat. That on your boy child would have collected and, you know, and be, carry this video, put it on his hand and be pretend that, you know, I saw an African bat today, like, you know, he put it on YouTube to generate clicks. Christians will be dancing around an animal, a rat that can fly. Why did I tell the whole story? Because I told everybody, I said, if it was a witch, you have died before crossing my face. It's not a witch. You entered my room. You stayed with my clothes. You know, because I kept it there for at least an hour. Anointed clothes. Clothes that I used to preach. And you did not die. You are not a witch. No, you can't be a witch. They taught the hem of Jesus' garment. You, you wrapped my garment. You did not die. <laughs> no. 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 You are not a witch. You are not a witch. That's why they didn't kill it. I wasn't afraid of killing. I just said, eh. it's a poor little creature that missed his way. Some people are saying, well, how did he get into your room? It's simple. It was a window AC I was using. You know, window AC. Uh-huh. So there's this, a small cracks, and it was a little bad, really. But later on, my children I said, truly, they saw a lot of bats the day before. And then they were migrating or something. I won't misnavigated. And you want me to be praying over it. 
Some people find, I found snake in my house before snake. Snake. Yes, my house. This one. My children just came up and said, Daddy, come. I came down and said, I saw the snake. You know what we did? We killed and threw it away. There's no ceremony about it. There's no they came. Who is they? Snakes are animals. It's not the devil. The snake around you is not the devil. All of these things is, is because we are afraid. That's what I'm going to address. Every man gets in a level. When witches want to talk about me, you know what they do? Let me tell you how they gather when they want to talk about me. You say, uh, witcho. The other one say, witchy. Ava. <laughs> Look at how they, they talk. You know, they'll be looking up because that's where I am. They are down there. When they want to whisper, they don't look over their shoulder. No, they look what? Up. Have you heard of that guy? It's up. It's up. Why? Because that is where I am seated. For those who don't know, some people don't understand what I'm saying. It's not an anointing upon this ministry. I know some people think it's upon this ministry. So let me join kingdom so I can be saved. If you want to join us to be saved, you go just die. I hope you're getting my point. Witches will follow you and beat you at our door. They, they won't let you come in because they won't. Don't join us to be safe. Enter into Christ. Our safety is in Christ. It's not in this ministry. Because as I was speaking, some people were wondering, ah, how now they take Duam? Let me tell you how would they take Duam. It's a Christ thing. It's not a kingdom word thing. It's not a pastor banquet thing. It's a Jesus matter. I've described for you the life of every believer in Christ Jesus. Nothing special about me. Nothing special about my wife or my children. Nothing special about members of Kingdom World Ministries. Nothing special. What makes us special is available to everybody worldwide. And that is because we are God's special possession. He watches over us like what? The apple of his eyes. That's it. That's because we are in Christ. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That is all we are discussing. There is nothing special because some people are looking like, ah, after a meeting, let me go and touch the hem of his garment. There's nothing to touch in this particular regard. There's something to discover. Listen, the believer in Christ Jesus is the, is the best product that God ever made. I will say it again. When he made the earth, no, made the universe, selected the Milky Way galaxy, came down to our solar system, and picked this little round ball of rock, this terrestrial planet, like they call it, and he began to do what he was doing. It wasn't because of igneous rock. No, it wasn't after rocks. It wasn't after gold. He put the gold inside there for our sake. He knew what he was doing. In everything, when he put Adam, Adam was not even the main thing. Adam was a stepping stone towards the real thing. And what's the real thing? Christ. Is it so that Jesus Christ will be alone? No. So that he will bring what? Many sons to glory. The word Christ, you know the truth? It's a very deep word. And it's not one person's name. What I mean by one person's name? Jesus does not bear it alone. He is Jesus Christ. Are you getting my point? Every other person that's in him can attach Christ to their names. I, I, I hope you got that. This is Banky Christ. Because my life is hid with Christ in God. That's where I came out of. Out of Christ. You take your name, attach Christ to it. 
So that everything that belongs to that family is attached to you also. Do you follow my point? And that was the purpose from the beginning. I pray we'll step into the glory of the sons of God. And that's what we should be. You know, Paul said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul understood that there's something to know that I do not yet know. Sometimes, you know, people talk about, listen, let me digress a bit. Sometimes people want to argue that no matter the sins I commit, my salvation is intact. Listen, number one, that statement is not true. Let's first leave that one, okay? But let's even not even see, let's, for me, it's an unnecessary argument. It's an unnecessary argument. Do you know why? Because it's like saying, my name is Hussein Bolt. He has retired now, right? Okay, before retiring. He has not won any, assuming I have not won any major awards. But I've committed my life to athletics. The dash races, 100 meters, 200 meters. And I'm saying to somebody, whether I exercise or not, whether I drink or not, whether I overeat or not, I'm still a Jamaican. I don't know whether you're following my, my logic. My name is Usain Bolt. I'm, a dedic- I'm supposed to be a professional athlete. I've not won anything yet. I'm still racing. 100 meters, 200 meters. Then somebody's arguing that, what does it take to stop being a Jamaican? He said, it doesn't matter what I eat. It doesn't matter what I exercise. It does not matter what I drink, which drugs I use. You know, you look and say, bro, bro Hussein, come. Are you sure you're an athlete? Are you getting my logic? Because... Being a real athlete, he won't have time to be quarreling with you. Whether he's using Igbo and, over, and drinking and eating too much and not exercising and taking Valium, all those things, he won't be arguing with you whether they remove his ability to be a Jamaican. One thing is clear, it will not let him win any race. One thing is clear, he will never excel in athletics. One thing is clear. You see, some arguments are not... So I feel like some arguments are left for those who are not planning to go anywhere with God. So even if I sin, I won't lose my salvation. My question is that, is that a discussion with me, you, are, you and me should be having? We should be having, how do we express the power of his resurrection? We are discussing whether even if I do like this, whether I will lose my salvation. I say, excuse me, bros. That's not my issue. It's not even lack of sin we are talking about. We are talking about excelling in the manifestation of the glory of God. You are asking me whether I would like to go to hell or I go to hell. Listen to me, I'm trying to get to one part, I'm trying to download one part of heaven onto the earth. You are asking me whether I will go to hell or I go to hell. The arguments I don't think we should be having, just because I'm a teacher of the word of God, just because I'm a teacher of the word of God, so you have to address some things. Otherwise, some things are not worthy of discussion. If you are discussing, does this food make people fat, does it make people fat, what in concern who is involved? Is how to win a race. I hope you follow my point. You can be there and be arguing from now to tomorrow. He's only that, will he help me win the race or it will not help? That's the only question he wants an answer to. If you say, we are not sure, now nah, I believe that. I hope you know those professional athletes, they have people who select their diet. You know, one day I read a book of <laughs> bodybuilders. You know, you know what amazed me? Even the water they drink is special. Bodybuilders. Because what they do is that, for them, what they call definition is the most important thing. Not just the bulk of the muscle. Of course, they need the muscle bulk, then they need definition. And so if they drink the water you and I drink, it contains too much salt. That it blows them up. Imperceptibly, the rest of us can't see the bloating. So they go around with their own bottles of water with all the ions removed. Why? I don't want to put extra salt. It will bloat me up. 
They want their body as lean as possible. So when you are discussing, discussing whether does this water give diarrhea or not, it's not the issue with them. Does it contain microbes? No. They've left the left. If you see anybody saying that this water is it boiled or it's not boiled, they know you are not a builder. I hope you are getting my point. You are not into the muscle competition. Those who are into it, they discuss something else. So nobody needs to write certain rules for using bolt and co. It's dietitians will sit down. Bros, you can't eat this demonio of the race. No, listen, no matter how much he loves shawarma, if they t- tell him that shawarma eating will remove 0.01 second, all right, we add it to your speed of completion of 100 meters, that is gone. It, it, he's not eating it again. He, he's not going to eat it again. Why? He has a goal set in front of him. That listen, this life, we must manifest the glory of the sons of God. So I am not here to be discussing with you, uh, if I do this one, will I go to hell? Am I trying not to go to hell? That one left my life long ago. Are you getting my point? Yes, he left my life long ago. He left my life long ago. I'm saying that seeing that I have these promises, what do I need to do so that it will manifest in this life? Why will it be that we lived and died and did not see the manifestation of the sons of God? Is that the question we should be asking? Instead of adults having discussion on whether if you are once saved, you are always saved. Come on, let's get away from such nonsense talk. Let's say, oh boy, what does it take to walk on water? What was the spiritual development in Jesus that they told him that you traveled, sir? Four days ago, your best friend died. And he said, where have you laid him? He said, we are sorry to say, sir, we embalmed him. Where is it? The body is in the mug, but it's embalmed. Let us go. And says, much other attendant, bring that corpse out for me. And you call your best friend. Come on, get up, let's go home. We have work to do. When I was traveling, I told you when I come back, we'll do something. You want to die and leave me alone to do it. I command you now, rise! Was that not what Jesus did with Lazarus? And then we're here discussing, eh, what does it take to get there? If you're a Christian, start sinning. If you start sinning, you will not see this power. You are defiling the temple of the Holy Spirit. How is the power of God supposed to reside inside there? How is God supposed to use that temple to bring his glory onto the earth? That's what we should be discussing. That's the discussion we should be having. Ada, what happened? They trust the hem of Jesus Christ. Power went out of him. It was only for Jesus. He said, it's only for Jesus. Leave that in. It can't be for Jesus alone. He said, how do you know? The shadow of Peter. What did he do? And he started looking and saying, okay, you know, Peter was a shadowed man. He said, eh, okay, what about Paul? Was he a shadowed man? You didn't hear that a man fell from a few stories up and died on landing on the ground. And Paul got there, hugged him, and said, don't worry about him, he's alive. He said, what about that one? You know, when the church lost power, they started saying the age of miracles passed away. It's a lie. You were making excuses for our failures. He said, I want to sit down and say, Lord, what happened? What does it take to bring the power of God back into this generation? Somebody sitting now and discussing with me that once you are saved, you are always saved. So that you can continue in immorality. Please, oh, I ban you. Don't get involved in such discussions. If anybody brings up, say, please, eh? Pastor Banky said, we should be discussing how we'll start catching fish and we'll find money for provision in the mouth when we are broke. That's, that's our discussion. We should start spoiling funerals for people. And next time you hear that uh, they want to go and bury one young man, and he's only 23, the only son of his parents, and the only child, and the whole family is crying. Why can't you mess up the funeral? 
You are telling me that, uh, what does this say? If you are saved, will you always be saved? Say, bros, when we have finished raising the dead everywhere, then we can be discussing that one. But right now, we have more pressing things to occupy ourselves with. Why is it that a man like Samuel, when they will try to attack, he will tell them, don't worry, then God will send thunder and rain. But when they want to attack us, you know what we do? Where's the federal government? Why can't they send soldiers? Ha! I like what my friend Pastor Craig did that time. When, when trouble began to arise in northern Nigeria, you know, he's based in Sokoto and Meduguri. He was PFN chairman. They came and met him. What they call, is it president or chairman, the, the, the state one? State chairman. He was chairman for Sokoto State. They came and met him that, uh, what are we going to do? He looked at everybody, all the ministers that came. What are we going to do? What do you want us to do? He said, we should go to police. He said, what would police do? He said, we should get metal detectors for the church. He said, when you have detected the metal, what are you going to do after that? Bomb detectors. He said, when you have detected the bomb, what next? No, he made it clear to everybody everything they were saying was stupid. Okay, I put a bomb detector. Fine, I'm okay. When you have now detected a bomb, what will now happen after? You now hold the bomber down. Say, we are going to call police. The bomber will be very happy when you have many holding him down. So he can blow it up, and all of you holding him down, and the few people in the church near the entrance can die. So they said to him, what do we do? He said, what are you supposed to do? You are supposed to be Christians. You are preachers. You are pastors. The only thing you can do is to pray. So he led the men, they began to pray. Till today, till today, they still pray every Tuesday. It's been how many years now? I think about five years now. 52 Tuesdays a year, they will pray. One day I was ministering in the church in Sokoto. You know, you know, you hear too much news, all kinds of things. As I was preaching, I saw it, out of the window, I saw a crowd coming. I tried my best to remain composed as I was preaching. A lot of people coming towards the church. Then finally, they got to the door, decided finding one by one, and finding their sitting and sitting down. And now I found out what happened. They are coming from the Tuesday prayer meeting. It was a Tuesday. I was ministering in the evening. So these men, when they finished praying, they said, look, there's a program going on in Pastor Christ Church. Let us go. So they came. They, a lot of men. And women, too. So they, they are, you know, for a moment, don't blame me. I was like, what is going on here? So Jesus said, I will continue my message. No, but none of this is movement. <laughs> Do you know, those prayers they were praying, they had tangible and dramatic results. I don't want to discuss that thing now, all those things now, especially because we are streaming these things live. Dramatic results. He said, just told them, my brethren, we are supposed to be preachers. We are children of God. We are going to pray. We will pray, and God will answer. And they prayed, and he answered. That was the kind of discussion we should be having. How come things are overtaking us, we don't know about them? We are the prophets in our midst. I remember that last election that we had in Nigeria, that would be good Lord Jonathan versus Buhari and many other people who were not planning to win anyway. But those two people, <laughs> every pastor I had, I think mine was one, said that good Lord will come back. He will come back. They were prophesying their desires, not what God said to them. Those are the things that should worry us, that how come we get blindsided? How come things happen we don't know about it? How come our prophets become politicians? Instead of us to be discussing, eh, if I'm saved, I'm going to be saved. I think there are more things to aspire towards. Where, where am I going to all of this? Have we read that portion? Okay, we read it last time, but let me just read a few verses. Verse what? Yeah, verse 8. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of man, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. And I've been establishing for the last two meetings, that these sons of Israel refer to the Israel of God. For the lost portion is his people, 
Jacob, he said, is the allotment of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land, and in the howling waste of a wilderness, he said he encircled him, he cared for him. That's what I'm, I, I wanted to talk about. He cared for him, he guarded him as the pupil of his eye. Like an eagle steps up his nest, that hovers over his young, he spread his wings and caught them. He carried them on his pinions. The Lord alone guided him, and there was no foreign God with him. He made him, notice something, he made him, not his own effort. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, and he ate the produce of the field. And he made him suck honey from the rock, and oil from the flinty rock, curds of cows and milk of the flock, with fat of lambs and rams, the breed of Bashan and goats, with the finest of the wheat, and of the blood of grapes you drank wine. Let me stop here, all right? Now, what I want to quickly say, you know, we're talking about faith, just trying to explain some things. The greatest thing, or the thing that God wants from his people, is just one thing that God desires from his people. Please bear this in mind. From his inheritance, God is looking for one thing, not two things. Now, this one thing can manifest in different ways. Sometimes we speak as if God is looking for our money. He's not looking for our money. No, he's not. Sometimes we even speak as if he's looking for our lives. You know, give me your life. For that, I will say he has it already. Otherwise, you are not his own. I hope you get my point. It's only if you want to take it away from him. I haven't thought about it. What's the number one thing that God is asking for from people? It's simple. Trust. 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 That is number one thing he's asking for from us. Trust. Trust. That is the thing that he's asking for. Like I said last time, and of course I preached about it many times, he took time out. Listen, everything he's doing in this life, in your life and mine, is to teach you that one thing, to trust him. He said he made them hungry. Then he did what? He fed them with manna. Why? So that they will understand something. It wasn't that like he couldn't bring food early. It wasn't as if he didn't, the manna was in short supply. It wasn't as if he couldn't bring meat. But there's a reason why he went through that process. One, they will be hungry. Two, then I will feed them at a particular time. And three, what I will feed them with is manna. Why? He says so that they will understand something. That man does not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, shall a man live. Again, let's look at that. It wasn't saying man shall not live by bread alone, but he shall have milk with it. I hope you're getting my point. Because the way we read it is that man lives by will not live by bread alone, but will live by bread mixed with the word of God. That's the unconscious way we read that. But that is to miss his point. His point is that I want to take you totally away from thinking about bread. So that when bread comes, you know it is not bread that you are living by. That that is just a manifestation of what I'm doing in your life that day. What was he trying to say? That man lives by the word of God. What does it mean to live? It doesn't mean to, which word do I, you know, like say, um, people sometimes make a mistake. If you read my book, um, By Faith, Acquire Life, that's what I try to explain in that book. That when it says to live, it's the opposite of to die. He wasn't talking about manner of life. He was saying that man acquires his life. For example, if you are faint, you're hungry, you are tired, you haven't eaten for the last 24 hours, what gives you, in quotes, life again? 
is food. They give you a few slices of bread and a talk glass of milk or you know, a beverage or something or, or, or soft drink and you drink it. Then you get strength back. That is what it's called what? life. What you have done is you have begun to live. So he was saying to them, I want you to understand that your sustenance, your life is not based on bread. And he was saying that man as a group, I did not make them so that without food they must die. I want you to understand that there's more to living than eating. I don't know whether you are getting my point. For example, you know, the person who fasted the longest, if we're talking about not eating, being fasting, in the Bible was Moses. Longer than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did 40 days. Elijah did 40 days. 40 days sustained by spiritual substance. In God's presence, Moses did not need to drink. He did not need to eat. Then when he came down from the mountain and he laid down in mourning because of the sins of the people, another 40 days, he neither ate nor drank, making a total of 80 continuous days. That is not physiologically possible. Natural man, it's not possible. But God said, I did such, such things to let you know that when I made man, I made him in such a manner so that, yes, he may eat, but what really gives him life is not what he eats. And so if a man doesn't find food, he can still have life. I hope you're getting my point. So that's why I said, I made you hungry. Now let me say this quickly. Something just dropped in my mind. I made you hungry so you will cry for sustenance. And you will find it without finding food. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That's what God was saying to them. You will have found out that it's not only food that people survive by. Let me, listen, what I'm saying will sound a bit abstract. Let me calm down. You hear things like, how are you people surviving in that country? Have you ever heard that before? You get such chats from people who, they are somewhere in Europe, somewhere in North America, or other parts of the world. They ask you a question like, how are you surviving in that country? Please, if the person is a Christian, mock him in your answer. Answer to the person, simple, by faith. And how are you surviving where you are? Do you understand? Yes, because it's an indictment. You ask me how I'm surviving, I'll tell you by faith. By the goodness of God. By the word of God. That's what he was saying. Then turn around and ask the person, how are you surviving where you are? If he doesn't have an answer, tell him you can see you are backsliding. The comfort of your environment has sent you into backsliding. By the time you are asking me, how am I surviving? That you think I'm, at a, I'm, I'm supposed to be at a disadvantage. That's why you ask that kind of question. It's not just a how are you question. You look up and down. You know, people are very funny. Last year, 40,000 people, 40,600 people died because of gunfire in the United States. 40,600 last year. Either police fired or gang member fired or they committed suicide. Came to 40,600. And somebody asked me, how am I surviving? I've not asked him how he survived. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Listen, on this, on this earth, there's no way that it's safe. Nowhere. Safety, thank you, is of the Lord. If somebody asks that kind of question, say, what do you mean? He says, how are we surviving? By the word of God. That was what God was telling Moses. I want you to understand, man does not live by bread alone. That is, 
There is protection. You know that time when NSAS happened and police people disappeared from the roads? You know, we prayed here, one of our prayer points. Said, Lord, show them that safety is of the Lord. That if you will want to come back, we will not beg you to come back. Now, I understood, please, I'm not trying to say why. You, because I said, because some people there, you, you people will see. I said, there are things you don't say in my hearing. I will turn safety to special prayer point. You will beg for your job back. I wouldn't need you. As you have gone to hide, we also pray that every criminal will go and hide. They will even hide further. Are you getting my point? No, I understood the, of course, if you are being attacked, you have to tactically withdraw and make, but I said anybody thinking that you will see, you feel our absence. Hey, hey, hey. I said, don't go near that one. Don't go near that because we will turn it to matter of prayer. There are things, listen, I'll tell you something. There are things that happen in this life they only provoke you to more angry prayer. I hope you're getting my point. Yes. You know what the Bible says? If they had known, they would not have touched the Lord of glory. They, that is, there are things that Satan will do. He doesn't know. He has just enabled you to download divine ability. Poverty is good. It makes you dis- discover manna from heaven. One of our brothers once, he was living somewhere in New Heaven. And those days, you know, you know God has blessed you know, now. Boys would just gather. 1 a.m., they started reading from flat to flat. So they were in his building. Breaking doors and everything. So he, ne- he sat down. He was alone in his house and prayed. And the next thing he went and did, he, he, he opened the door, brought out his Bible and sat down and kept on reading. <laughs> he gave me the testimony. Oh, no what people do? Put more metal and, you know, he said he removed everything and opened the door. I said, God, this one, you are the only one that will d- deliver. So he turned the door, opened it, and sat down there on his dining table with the Bible, and he was reading. I think he readily fell asleep and woke up in the morning and found that there was peace everywhere. He just said, no. What I'm bringing out is that there's a way trouble will come. You will get on your knees and say, man does not live by police and military protection alone, but by the word of God. He surrounds the righteous. Like the mountains surround the Jerusalem, so does the Lord surround his people. There are prayers you don't pray if there is no trouble. <laughs> I told you that last time I traveled down to, when the whole family went back down to my hometown, because as a father of the family, that's what I am now because my dad is late. He said, my younger sister is getting married, so I need to be there, of course. It makes a lot of sense. That time, you know, kidnapping, you know, Amotekun had not even happened that time. When we got to Benin, <laughs> we, you know, in the course of this, my mother-in-law talked to my wife that the road is dangerous. So she was going to arrange two mobile policemen to escort us there and back. So my wife came and told me. I said, eh, okay, let me think about it. After I thought, you know what I was thinking about? So what if the people shooting are like 10? <laughs> you want to bring two mobile policemen, human beings like me, they can be penetrated by bullets, right? My car is not armored. You know, my simple judgment was that it did not make, it was not, it, it didn't work, level like that, it didn't work. Do you know how many people are going to block the road? I, don't, I didn't know the amount. I said, why put everybody in jeopardy? So I said, don't worry. So my wife said, what do we do? I said, what are we going to do? There's a particular scripture we had learned not too long before that. There is none like the God of Israel who rise the heavens to our help and to the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is a dwelling place 
and underneath are his everlasting arms. He has driven out the enemy from before us, saying, Get destruction overtake them. That's Bible in basic English translation. I said, Let's use that one. So we got to where the dangerous was supposed to begin. As we left, I said, oh, yeah, Everybody, repeat after me. I wasn't joking. Listen, everybody was in the car apart from Akilu because he had to go to school. My wife was there, all my children. So you, th- you think I'm a gluten for punishment? You think I like to gamble with my life? Especially when I was offered armed escorts? I just reasoned that, wait, the people who are there, what if they are 10? Carrying the same guns that my accompanying <laughs> armed men have. And they just, I know they don't care. You know, the policeman will care that he doesn't shoot innocent bystander. He's trained for urban warfare, that is, shoot the criminal and try not to hit the other person. The person that's attacking you, he doesn't care. Policeman, you, your children, your car, the villagers across the road, anyone will manage to survive. That's the personal problem between him and his God. Oh, we get Jerry's nice deliver. God will take care of us. You know, <laughs> there are things you do, you wonder where you got the boldness from. I told you, the Spirit of God, he enters into you and sets you on your feet. Returning the same thing. As we hit the road, I say, everybody, let us pray. Declare after me, there is none like the God of Israel who rides the heavens to our help and to the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is our dwelling place. And underneath us are his everlasting arms. He has driven out the enemy from before us. He said, let destruction overtake them. He said, therefore, we dwell in the land of security. The fountain of our lives, tabernacles in the land of grain and new wine. And the heavens over our up drop down dew. Say, man shall not live by bread alone. That's what he was saying. Every difficulty in your life, every difficulty in my life is for us to understand that what by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God does man live. There are times I've heard things. Dollar is climbing up. What was the one I did the other time that God punished me severely for it? They said they are increasing tariff. I'm still recovering. God has forgiven me. I'm still recovering. I went and took money and bought plenty power units. God was looking at me like this. You know, thank you, because of EEDC, I'm going to stop being God. I'm going on strike. You know, you know, you remember one governor in Nigeria? This, the civil servants went on strike. You remember what he did? He too, he went on strike. They said he had not personalized for two months, so they said they are going on strike. The guy too declared. <laughs> He said he too is going on strike. <laughs> that is, there's nobody to attend to your strike matter. All of us are on strike. He said there's no money. What do you want me to do? Sometimes God will look at the way we are behaving. Say, me too, I'm going on strike. You are worried about your future. We know go agree. Let me come to your side. Both of us will worry together. There's no God over your head again. Because God too is on strike. Nonsense. There are times we sit down. Things will make you want to be afraid. You know I have learned these days. Please read my article. Keep on trucking. I think it's inside one of the books. Um, either, for those who are listening to this, you know, um, on any medium, it's on our website, Keep on Trucking. But it's inside one of those books we printed, either Living by the Divine Wisdom or a Habit of Faith, one of those two. It's inside. In Keep on Trucking, look, go and read what I have in that book, Keep on Trucking, that article. Because what I've learned is, literally, don't worry about tomorrow. When I say the price of land, if I remember when I first came to Enugu that time, they said, land is going up. I said, do I look like I'm going down? <laughs> yes, yes. 
That's what I said. They said, land is going up. I said, do I look like I'm going down? That was the question I asked. As land is going up, so is, you know, land is going up, right? Who is in the highest up? My father, thank you. Land is trying to go and meet my father. They go. Say, land is going up. I said, do I look like I'm going down? Do I look like... That was the question I asked. I know the truth. The land actually went up 24-fold by the time we finally paid for one. But do you hear me come cry? No. Because me too had gone up 27-fold. I hope you're getting my point. As land, they go up. That's why they go up. Dollar is going up. Do you look like you are going down? Okay, if you like, go down. Say, does your father look like he's climbing down because of dollar? Say, that dollar is struggling with me for my throne. So I woke up this morning. You know, I sleep now because you are, in, you know, ever since I saw Nigerian problem, I decided to start sleeping. Is that not how some of us talk? I saw this headsman problem. I saw the issue of 60 billion naira printed. <laughs> I saw that the Angote refinery had not started working. The cement scarcity. Ah, uh-uh. so I decided to sleep because if I don't sleep, Nigerian problem will keep us. One day, a, a preacher did something and it, it grieved my heart. It grieved my heart. He pinned on his tweet. You know, Twitter allows you to pin your favorite tweet. So I think somebody gets there, it's the first thing they see. He said, when Paul said, be careful about nothing, he had never been to Nigeria. I said, what kind of nonsense joke is that? It's not funny. I didn't find it funny. People were hailing, yeah, that's my man of God. I said, you and your man of God, all of you have problems. I wanted to deliver them on Twitter. Come out in the name of Jesus. Foolishness, come out. Unbelief, I rebuke you. There are jokes you don't crack, not on Twitter. That when Paul said, be anxious for nothing, he had not been to Nigeria. No, he hadn't been to Nigeria really. He had only been to Rome, where they hung him, where they beheaded him. He had only been to Rome, where he was lashed. 39 strokes, how many times? He had only been to the waters where he was afloat in the rivers for days. He had not been anywhere. He had not been to Nigeria. That's why I said, don't be anxious over anything. We talk as if, you know our God, because of Nigerian problems, he now sleeps and slumbers. And then when he woke up, you know, because when Chuk Sano came with his head, prayed. They prayed so much, his ears were paining him, he had to wear mufflers. He now slept. When he woke up, you know what he found out? Dollar had ascended to his throne. Dollar was now so high, he was no longer God. So God has joined our prayer. Let's pray to who now? Dollar. To please come down from my throne. Nonsense. What did I say? When we finish this series, I want to start talking about expressions of faith. We're talking about entrance of faith now, right? We're talking about expressions of faith. There are times you live your life like you have no plans. Like you're stupid. Like you have no sense. And God said, yes, I need it. As an expression of your trust in me. When he said, man shall not live by bread alone. That's what he was saying. That listen. It's not only the one that can acquire the dollar that will be blessed in this life. But anyone that has my word, by that word, he shall live. I, I hope you are getting what it means. I want to say, man does not live by bread alone. I was saying something earlier. That God wants trust, right? Every difficulty, listen to what I'm saying. Every circumstance of your life, every difficulty, every challenge you find is designed for only one thing, for you to understand how man lives. Did you hear what I said? 
is designed for just one thing. For you to understand that man lives by every word that proceeds from his mouth. He said to Abraham, your wife will bear you a child. He says, sir, she's postmenopausal. That's what the normal mind will say. But you know what Abraham did? Abraham laughed. Please, if you have not read your Bible enough or you read your Bible and you are interpreting it as if it is a modern man that's laughing. Even modern men laugh that kind of laughter. But when they say laugh, for them that time it was not funny. Abraham laughed. That is, Abraham was overcome with joy. When the Lord turned against the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with what? Were we mocking God? When Abraham heard it, he said, I rejoice at thy word. Like one who finds great spoil. Abraham heard that word, it triggered laughter in him. And he turned and prayed, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. People say he was asking God to, uh, to use Ishmael. He never said anything like that. Because God said immediately after that, as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. If he was asking God to use Ishmael, does it mean God not took Ishmael and rejected Isaac? Of course not. He said, as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Why? Because he knew what was going to happen. That Ishmael was going to die. That was what he thought. That if this boy will not be the one, then Isaac will replace him, then he will die. And God said, as for Ishmael, I have heard. He too will become a great nation. What am I going to say? He spoke concerning a woman that was postmenopausal, And it's interesting. God is very funny. Sometimes when he wants to prove that he's not dead really. You know, no, 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 no prove he's not dead. We all know he's not dead. Is that he's really alive in his power. You know what he does? He pushes the problem to an extreme. So that every other solution will have failed. When they told him Lazarus was sick, you know, they have seen him do everything. He had healed the woman that had a fever, Peter's mother. He had healed the one that was crippled. He had healed the one that was blind. And he had raised the one that just died. Then he raised the one that died in the morning. You know the one that just died? Jairus' daughter, remember? She was still alive when they came to call Jesus. Then they told the father, don't bother him anymore. The girl has died. And he came. So the girl was dead for less than an hour. When Jesus said, Talita, kumi. Little girl, I say unto you, arise. The next one he raised was a man who died in the morning. That one had been dead for close to 12 hours. Nothing less than 10 hours. They were not in a hurry to bury him. The son of the widow of nine. Remember her? He had been dead for a few hours. Now they were carrying him off for burial. He raised that one up too. You know the interesting part? Any prophet could have done that. Because everyone I mentioned, a prophet did it before. Remember Elisha? Elisha raised a boy who had been dead for maybe nothing less than 24 hours. Now, I heard this somewhere, I have not personally confirmed. They said that it was believed amongst the Jews that the spirit of a dead person hangs around for like three days. So Jesus said, let's even be sure this spirit has gone away. So in the case of Lazarus, you know what he did? He left the matter. They said, Lazarus is sick. He said, no, I have healed sick people before. Leave that one. He's very, very sick now. He said, leave the matter. For your own sake, I won't go now. He's very, be thanking God that I'm not going yet. Then when he was sure that he had been dead for two days, he started traveling because the journey was a two-day journey. By the time he got there four days later, ah, I can imagine Mary. I can imagine Martha. They were so sure that if he had come, the brother would have lived. Jesus said, yes, that's why I did not come. This limitation of my ability. 
is why I didn't come. This limitation of what God can do in your life is why I didn't come. He said, if only you had come, my brother would have seen we are alive. Then he gave them a new word they had not heard before. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he dies, yet he shall live again. And they thought he was talking about the last resurrection. He said, you don't understand. Where have you laid him? They said, sir. Okay, come. They got there. Roll away the stone. They said, excuse me, sir. I know you want to see the body. Don't worry about it. He knows you loved him. He's all right. Because by now, if we move this stone, the smell will be too much. He said, did I not tell you that if only you will believe, you will see the glory of God? Please, we'll talk about it later. Expressions of faith. It is not, you know, I said to you before, faith does not mean I am sure. Faith means I will be no matter how I feel. People, faith, they think faith means that I am sure that my God is going to do something. No. Faith means that whether he does something or not, he said we should roll away the stone. Oh, you think Mary was so sure Lazarus was coming back to life? You think Martha was sure? No. They were obedient to the words of the master. He said roll away the stone. They began to pray a very funny prayer. Even he knew it was odd. He said, Father, I thank you because you help me always. He said, actually, I know. You know, a lot of things we say in prayer is for our own sake. That time we will wind God, we will wind him, wind him. It's not him. It's us. We are just trying to describe for our own hearing. Magnify the Lord. Are you getting my point? So that you'll be magnified in our minds, the kind of God we are talking to. With no Lord, without you, nothing shall be impossible. You are the one you are telling. He knows. The more you know it, the less you will tell him. It's true now. <laughs> Jesus said, I thank you because you have heard me. He said, actually, I know you hear me always. I only said that so that them who are here, they will believe. Otherwise, what is all this long, long talk for? I've asked you for Lazarus. You've granted him back to me. I will have just come to do this. Everybody watch. Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead... Still bound, hand and foot, found himself at the door. What does that tell you? He didn't walk there by himself. Man shall not live by bread alone. What am I going to say? Sometimes God leaves the circumstances until everybody is tired. Everybody has given up. When somebody asks you, how are you surviving in that country? Tell the person, the same God that raises Lazarus lives in my house. It's important. It's important. Don't ever forget it. I said something to us the other time when we were talking about descendants of, of Ham. I said, listen, they are the ones that will see, listen to what I want to say. They are the ones that will see God with their eyes in this life. Do you know why? The kind of problems they have had to face, they have no choice but to download the glory of God. If you are comfortable, you see, like my pastor would say, those it's not about, you're not wicked, you're just comfortable. Once you are comfortable, there are things you can't ask for. There are glories you will never see. You're not a wicked person, no. Because like, your Lazarus has not died. So why would you know God that can raise somebody after the first day? The problem we have is that many of the things that God places us inside to use to find him, to grope after him, to pray for his glory to be manifested, we turn it to grumbling things, just like Israel did in the wilderness. Do you know every challenge in the wilderness was supposed to let them know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's how water comes out of the rock. Not by engineering feats. By the word of God. Water will come from the rock. Instead of them to just pray and receive that, what did they start doing? They started murmuring. What difficulty have you seen? 
that's like that. And we're also murmuring. What does that tell us? We are hindering the flow of the power of God into our lives. Difficulty is good. James said it like this. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials. Next time somebody says, how are you surviving that country? Say, oh boy, we rejoice every day. It is joy. Because the trial of our faith is working out patience. And I started by saying that God is looking for those who trust him. And what I'm going to explain is this. There are times I just look. People want to scare you with, eh, Naira is like this now. Things are twice the price they used to be. Never you want to take my eyes away from God. No. There is none as high as my God. He is the most high. The price of Gary is not the most high. I hope you are getting my point. What I do is to just pray and just trust God. Lord, you've heard the news. What will tomorrow hold? Whatever it is you are sending to me, tomorrow we hold it. <laughs> Whatever you are sending, it will come in its right time. I won't give you this. This is what I'm about to say. The other day I needed something. It hasn't come yet, but I was just thinking about it. So something now made me go to check the price. When I saw the price, when I saw the price, it was so expensive, and I went back to God to pray. I said, Lord, that thing I was asking you for, I just realized how costly it is, so I decided to come back and ask you for it. Did you hear what I said? That's how I handled it. I said, Lord, this thing is so costly, so I said this thing, I'm happy it's costly like this, so that you are the only one that can do it. When I finished praying the prayer, I burst into laughter. I was alone. I said, Lord, this thing is so costly. I decided, to, I said that prayer I was praying, <laughs> I found out the price, Lord, so I decided to come and ask you again for it. I didn't change my mind. Is that my God only solves cheap problems? If the problem is cheap, my God will solve, will solve it. If it's hard, he has to grow first. He said, Bank, you know I've not graduated. I don't have a job yet. Let me go and get a master's degree so I can get a better job. Have you heard that thing before? I want to digress, so I hope you know it's not a sensible thing. Even amongst men, it's not, ne- it's not necessary. They will go and look for master's degree so they can get a better job. You won't get a better job. Let me know. When we are doing... When we are doing business by the Spirit, part two, we'll discuss that one. Let me not go there, you know. But I can't imagine God saying that I need to get a master's degree so I can get a better job. You know, it's in Nigerian civil service that that thing works. You promote people, whether they learned anything or not. Once they just come with subtitles, you know they call subtitles. <laughs> in my office, I see that all the time. They employ the people, they are cleaners. They'll be cleaning your table every morning. They all come, oh, you see, good morning, sir. I've been transferred. What are you now? I'm not a clerk. I said, eh. You perfected cleaning into become a clerk. Said so they to make you chief cleaner. They now made you clerk. That is why things don't move. You know, government is there in our country. We give the Lord praise. Just bring subcates. <laughs> you give it to them, they promote you to the less rank. You are inefficient. Can't, don't know anything. Just promoting people like that. In real sector, they don't care. They say, okay, come. You go school, Abby. Tell us what you learned. <laughs> Is what you, anyway, like I said, that's for another time, right? But God will not tell you, listen, you know, I work for civil service, so they have no pay salary, so I can't solve your problems. He doesn't do that. He has his ability continuously. I hope you're getting my point. Exactly where I was going. That you see that Israel, the allotment of God's inheritance, God took care of him. And what I want to say to us today is that God takes care of his own people. The Lord does take care of his own. It's important we understand this. When David taught us that um, psalm in Psalm 23, he said, The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I will not lack anything. 
The Lord is my shepherd, like I was saying to us earlier. What God just wants from us is to trust him. What many times we spend our time doing is the opposite of trust. What we do is to remove our faith in him, put our faith in human ability. Sometimes we see the way God solved problem for one brother. We think that is the way he will solve for us too. He solves problems for people different ways. He does. The main problem we have is that we just don't trust him totally. People in life, they come every day giving us stories designed to scare us. We began this series by explaining something. Faith in our hearts is important. If God is trying to solve a problem for you, if he doesn't find faith in your heart, you will remain inside your troubles. In the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, Peter began to drown. Even though the power of God was there, able to make him float. But yet, in presence of the Lord Jesus, he was drowning. And Jesus said, what was the issue? Doubt. Why did you doubt? Unbelief, we said, prevents God from solving our problems. It does. And what do we call unbelief? It's every explanation we have why things will not be as God said it will be. Listen, I've taken time out to establish the fact that God knows you specially. I hope you get my point. I hope he knows your name. I hope you know he even has a name for you. Let me talk about that for a moment. I hope you know God has a name for you. Are you aware of that? Can I take a digression for a moment? Go and pray and say, Lord, what name do you call me? What do you want me to be calling myself? I'm serious. I'm not joking about that. It's an important prayer. God looked at Abram. He said, from now on, your name is no longer what? Abram. Your name is now what? Abraham. He chose the name. Can Hagin say something to your daddy? I was listening to him. It was interesting. The Lord appeared to him, you know, in the vision and said that, I spoke to your mother before you were born. I told her she's going to have a son and to call him so-so-and-so name. But she did not. He said, but anyway, it doesn't matter now. Now, let me tell you something. Jesus is no joke. If he said to that woman, call this boy by this name, and she didn't, there's a blessing she withdrew from his life. When I, I reasoned about it. I said, when God said, it doesn't matter now, it is because he had grown and he had recovered from that deficiency. Otherwise, why would he joke if it didn't matter? So I called one brother. I said, please, what name was it? Because I knew he would know. And he now told me the name. I said, okay. So even was I even laughing about it? That Jesus chose a name for that man and told the mother, call him this name. It's just that she did not do what she, what she was told. Simon, that was who Jesus meant. Gave him, gave him a name, what? Peter. He met a man called Jacob. He said, your name will now be what? Israel. I don't think God jokes about it. No matter what you are doing, select your name prayerfully. Don't select names that everybody is using. Where's our brother, uh, DJ? That's one that told me his name. I said, Lila, I won't call that one online. Go and find, the na- Go and find another name. Where's our DJ? Find an angelic name for yourself. One day I... <laughs> I wanted to transfer. <laughs> I went to transfer something from my phone to one of my students. This was some years ago. My class captain, well, normally the class captain normally have two, a male and a female. The female class captain. So I said, okay, put on your phone. Let me send it to you by, by Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, something like that. So the thing was on my phone. So I saw a device pop up. I said, is that your own? He said, yes, sir. I said, you're not even ashamed of yourself. You want to give your device name. You know the name she gave the device? Sexy virus. 
I said, shame on you. Of all the names on this earth to call yourself. What's wrong with the angelic messenger? <laughs> what is wrong with the peace of God? What is wrong with favor of the Almighty? You look yourself from top to bottom. When you want to identify you. And that stupid name that I cannot repeat a second time on the internet is the one you are calling yourself. No. When you want to name your business, pray. You know why? Because God actually has a name for it. It's not a tumbon tumbon matter. Names are spiritual. One day I heard a man. I want to give just to give you just from another angle. This man played. There's a, there was one rock uh, show they did one time, like a uh, what do you call this? That go from theater to theater performing. This Broadway things they call it in America. Like uh, anyway, theater performance. They did that time. They called Jesus Pastor. The guy that played that Jesus there or something there. Forget about the other one they're doing. Pure deep. The guy said when he wanted to start the, the show, a demon possessed him. Why I'm telling the story is because of what he said about the name of their band. It was a rock band. That the name of their band was picked for them. They heard a voice while they were playing. That if you will change your name, I will make you great. The spirit spoke to them. And they said, what name do you want? I won't because I don't want to send people googling up and down. And they put their hand on a glass. The glass went up and down, pa pa pa, on their Ouija board and spelled the name for them. They called their band by that name. The whole world heard of them. It was a drummer or something in that band. But he said it was demon. Po- no, they called demon possessed. I heard the story because he gave his life to Christ, and it was demon delivered. <laughs> Do you get my point? It was demon possessed. See, every name you bear, pray about it. The names I bear, now that's not the name I was born with. Well, one of them you know, was, but then I looked at everything. And the prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. I identified the names I believe the Lord wanted me to bear. adopted them, and I informed my parents. I wasn't born Olushino. No. I just said, somebody said, it doesn't matter. I said, wait, wait, whose inscription and whose likeness are this? They said, Caesar. I said, give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar. I said, this name is not, doesn't glorify the Jesus that I serve. No offense, so I dropped it. Jesus is my Lord. I the name has to reflect what I believe. That is a digression. And I'm giving to everybody listen to me as an assignment. Go and pray. Don't just be bearing foolish names. Your father and your mother collected the name from a shrine and gave it to you. You should, you should know you should drop it. People tell you it doesn't matter. If it doesn't matter, just use the one that glorifies God. Not the one that married your heart, that's your family. You are still bearing it after how long? I want to carry that name into the temple. It's not good. What did I say? It's not good. There are names I don't want to. We are talking online. They call some people the Osu of the local God, and you are still bearing that name, and you want to be blessed. Are you smoking something? Their names are just I saw idolatrous. How can they? How can they? They want to introduce you. Let us welcome to the microphone the man of God for today, Pastor Baal Seva, Reverend Servant of Baal, Reverend Ashtoret. Brother Molek, servant. I don't know. I don't know whether it rhymes with you. For me, it doesn't rhyme at all. It doesn't rhyme. Once I come of spiritual age, I drop nonsense names. Nobody should tell me it doesn't matter. If it did not matter, why was Jesus changing name up and down? I can say it's a digression. Let's get back to our main message. The message is that God knows you so well. He knows your name. He calls you by a particular name. Sometimes he may not even mind the name that everybody is calling you. But he has one he calls you. You know the name he had for Solomon? Jedidiah. Beloved of the Lord. 
So when God wanted to discover, you know, God, you, you, it's not the name you call yourself. He has his name for you. He said, even the hair on your head, he knows the number. That's the kind of God we are dealing with. That's how much he knows you, how much he loves you. He said, the days of your life, before there was any one of them, they were all written in his book. Ah. Remember, say, ask your wife. Ask your wife. I used to say, you see, the God that made you, you think he didn't plan that also. When I came to Enugu, my wife and I would be talking that time. He said, they would pray, God will give us. I said, wait, 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 wait. He knew we were coming, didn't he? So he must have prayed. Did he think we would stay under the mango tree on Upper Avenue? No. He knew where we would live. So our prayer is, Lord, that whatever place you have prepared, release it in the name of Jesus. It is not where people say it's beautiful that I will have to live. I, of course, I'm not saying I don't have my preferences. The truth is that he thinks better for me than I can ever think of myself. I hope you get my point. There are things God has given me. I will look and say I could never have asked for this. That is, I didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind to ask for such. These are the things we bear in mind. We don't want to pray. If indeed we are special to him as have been portrayed all this while, why won't he think about what we will eat, what we will drink, and with what we will clothe ourselves? You think he doesn't think about that? Ah, if my son is in school, first week he doesn't call, normally calls his mother. Second week he doesn't call. Third week he doesn't call. And his mother remembers that the money I give is supposed to last one week. When she calls and says, what have you been eating? No, think about it. She will call him and say, what have you been eating? She has to, he has to say, oh, mommy, I'm sorry. I didn't tell you. You know, last week, daddy did so, so sent me money. I forgot to tell you. As soon as I forgot to tell the mother. And she will like, I'm wondering, you're supposed to have called. I'm supposed to have sent you money. If ordinary human beings can know that about their children, how much more the God we claim knows us specially. That's why Jesus said, after these things, Gentiles seek. He said, you don't worry yourself. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All other things will be added to you. That told me something. If something is not being added, it's an indication you are seeking the wrong things. I said to you, every difficulty is supposed to channel our thoughts in the right direction. So if something is not being added, then ask yourself, what am I seeking that's not right? My focus must be on something that is wrong. Because my Heavenly Father knows I need these things. My emphasis, He knows. We're not trying to persuade Him. He knows. He knows. My, your children have to go to school tomorrow. You have to start saving up for their future, for the for school they will go tomorrow. I say, no. Jesus said clearly, categorically, don't take thought about the morrow. If God has to start a school so that my children will be able to go to university, he will. If he has to invent scholarship for poor pastor who did not think of the future fund, he will. I hope you're getting my point. I need to say your children can't go to school. God, we abolish the need for schooling. Say, Banky, don't mind them. Your children won't go to university. Okay? I said, yes, sir. Henceforth, university will not get anybody any job in this world. And you think it's a joke. When my son, your daddy, was speaking, some of, if I remember the name, many of you here will know him. He said, educational system is outdated. And as far as it's concerned, nobody needs to go to school. As far as he understands, have intelligence, invent something, do something, the world will answer to you. 
He said, stop, stop worrying yourself, learning things you don't need to. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you should follow him. At that day, I, in my opinion, he spoke a lot of nonsense, eloquently. Some of the people just eloquently discharge nothing. I think he did that that day. But at least, you see, the idea has already come into people's minds. God can do it. But it will never happen. That because I obeyed God, my children will not be at a disadvantage. Lie, 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 lie. That will never happen. It's just too faithful for that. It will never happen. So when I see what people do sometimes, I must education, educate my children abroad. I must just look and say, listen, at the end of the day, it's not that good they are coming to look for work from. Am I lying? Most of this education we get from all kinds of places. We will take and they find advert online. You know, one of our brothers said, he said in their company, one day they advertise for a job. He said, Pastor, more than 80%, you know, they, they, for posts, sorry, they advertise some posts for, for people to a- apply for. He said most of the applications came from people living abroad. They were looking for work with masters and this one and that one and this and that. Listen, what am I preaching to you today? The God that gave me the children has he thought about their future before they came to my house. Their own days. You know, that one thing many of us don't realize, we think God's promises stops with us. Once we grow, God stops helping people. <laughs> the God that brought you to this level, he can't do it for your children. So you, you have to take care of your children by force, by yourself. Sometimes I see people, you know, sorry, I mean no insult. Oh. Okay? I mean, okay. Let me put it in the I won't be like, I'm sorry, people. Their father was not rich. Are you getting my point? Their mother did not even go to school. They went to Iliakara Primary School. You know what they call Iliakara Primary School? House of Akara Primary School. Jeon Jeon Secondary School. Now you know these community secondary schools that have a block we reach like this. Then to go to university, they were working part-time and going to school. Then, when they're telling the story, eh? oh my God, they are giving God the glory. I just want to thank God. It was so faithful. I came from a little background. My, my, my primary school was Iliakara Primary School, Jeon Jeon Secondary School. We have. <laughs> I just managed to pass Jam. I only got into that university because of educational disadvantage state. It's because in grammar, as he's talking, he parked a Bentley outside. Ah, and he's giving God the glory. Hallelujah. You know, I'm sorry my family couldn't be around today because, you see, they, they are not back from their holiday. You know, we first went to France. From there, we had something to do in San Francisco, and then they'll be back. But my wife just went to check something on Australia. Amen. Praise God. So, that's why the family could not come to church. See where I'm going, you know? Can you see that poor background? Though you were not in your own eyes, yet God made you. Then suddenly he said, my children cannot grow in this country. God says, see me, God said, I'm not going to retire because this joker is now rich. He said, you know, what you need is for your children to have a good educational qualification. See, his English has changed. This boy that was speaking like one boy from Anambra the other day. <laughs> Sorry, Anambra, but I don't mean it. You know now. <laughs> okay, let's say now one Yoruba boy. He was just pronouncing the Bible as if there, there was nothing that he could. But now he has policy himself. Amen. Praise God. He said, and I began to see, I just realized that what you need is international qualification. Because, you know, you have to compete in a global level. Amen. Once dollar enter your hand, you'll bring with it misfire. You know, you know when you have $200,000, you'll be thinking anyhow. When God wants to talk, say, please, I'm speaking. You, you won't know when you say it. 
you finish giving testimony in church, everybody that can't send children abroad, they are discouraged. Then some women will now go home. They won't talk to their husband. They are angry. All your mates were making dollars. Where were you? Where was your father? If you ask her now, where your papa that time? Why didn't he make his own dollar? Nonsense. You know, pastors, please, I beg you, pastors, stop discouraging people. There are things that God will do for you. Shut your mouth. Some pastors get up. By the time they are finished, they finish their life. It's a discouragement for those who are following them. Stop making it look like God. Where am I going all of this? The man who's talking this opata, eh? Sorry. The person who's talking this nonsense. <laughs> He's thinking that the God that made him has retired. He forgot that he didn't get any international education. He forgot that he struggled to go through school. He forgot that God made him hungry and then fed him with manna. And he came to understand that man does not live by family background alone. But by every blessing that proceeds from the mouth of God, man lives. But by the time his children's turn, he said, no, you have to live by bread alone. When he finishes strategizing for the lives of those children, they can never believe God for anything. And I get up and be talking nonsense and discouraging other people. Many times I tell people, you know, one of the people that, some people that make stupid decisions in this life, if you see them, what I've described is their life. They will not tell you that, no, the little money, the man I even described now is very rich. Their own, the little they even have, they're not that rich. They struggle, keep wife and children abroad, and they'll be back in Nigeria laboring, increasing the demand of a dollar. To keep, why? Because you see, I can't let my children go to school in this country, and God is looking like, yee, yee, you that's buying dollar now, where do you go to school? You were praying to me that time, Lord. Second batch, no pass me by. Even though first batch, just to enter a federal university. They didn't take you. I guided your step into a state university. I knew it was your second choice. But you went there. And look at what I've done in your life today. Then suddenly, suddenly, I've gone on break. I'm on strike now. Your God is on strike. If your children don't go to school abroad, they can't prosper. Why do you so insult the Lord? Go and read that Jerome chapter 32. That's what he said. He said, Jeshurun became fat and kicked. Instead of saying to the children, kneel down here. I place my hands on you. The faithful God that brought me this far will take you beyond your own imagination. Just tell the child like that. Oh, I feel like telling this story. What did I do with my son one day? My father-in-law was opening his house in the village. So we went there, all of us, the whole family. And it's a very big house. And the man decided to feel good, so he finished it very well. Very, you know what they call finishing very well? Very well. You know, you enter the room, you think each room, you think it's a hotel room. You know, that kind of finishing. All right? So Akilu came to me and said, ha, Daddy. I said, what? He said, how come there are so many chandeliers in this house? I looked at him. The owner of the house Decide that that's what he wants. And he has the money, so he has bought it. No, what I told I said, called, I said, my son is called prosperity. He now said, so daddy, how do I find prosperity? That was the question he asked me. I said, that one, it's very simple. He said, how? I said, kneel down here. So he knelt down. I said, say after me. Oh Lord, oh Lord. What's the prayer of Jabez? Oh, that you will bless me indeed. Yes. And enlarge my coast. And keep me from harm so it will not come near me. He repeated those things after me. 
I said, say in Jesus' name. He said in Jesus' name. I said, rise up. You have found prosperity. I said, now, go and read. Go and live righteously. You have. I didn't say you will find. I said, what? You have found. I said, that prayer, you have just found it. Get up and go. I said, get up and go. If it's prosperity you are looking for, that's how to find it. Let me tell something. A lot of men who God blessed, they can't remember when they asked him. They actually asked him. I'm telling you the truth. Most people that God blessed in this life, there was a time they knelt down and begged. But you know what? Jeshurun gets fat and he forgets. That's what happens to a lot of them. Now give them the microphone, they'll be talking nonsense. And God will be looking at them and saying, it's not your fault. Though. If I collect my thing back now, they say I'm wicked. It's not your fault at all. A sign that you still trust in God is the kind of instruction that you give to other people. Yeah, I'm serious. When you want to advise people, that is when you know really whether you trust God. You see, when you have been blessed and you are living in your luxury house and you have a habit of prayer, you won't know whether you trust God or not. I, I don't know whether you get my point. Uh-uh. You know, there's a kind of blessing God gives you. Even he finds it hard to stop it. Uh, you're looking at me. There's a way God blesses people. God will look and say, no, no, no. I have commanded that blessing. It can't stop. I'm telling you. God releases that kind of blessing. I'm say, no, no, no. That blessing went with, a, with an oath. Now, the problem with some people like that is that in the midst of their blessing, they start talking nonsense. Because they've been so blessed, if the dollar like maybe 2,000 naira, they will have more. When you say the power of failure, they don't know the meaning. Do you know why? There's one guard, one guy in the house, you know his job. Make sure there's always power. You know, I have a neighbor like that. And this is Enugu. Not my house in Atlanta. I mean in Enugu. So, Pastor, you get a house for Atlanta. You can call those things that be not. <laughs> you don't know where. I have a house in Australia. I have in Atlanta. I have in Texas. I have in Ghana. I have two in uh, uh, Congo, Brazzaville. One in Rwanda. One in Burundi. Anywhere I go, I get a house there. Amen. So, Pastor Bang, are you sure? Of course. Just wait till we get there. What are we not going to see? I've not gone there. That's why you haven't seen it. The day we move to Congo, you will see the house there. So, is it true? Amen? I mean, must I see the house first? I'm not like the man who went that withdrew his money from ATM. You know, have you seen that the joke before? He withdrew all his money, like 25000 went to the bank, said, please, I gave people my money to keep. You kept it outside. So I put my money inside the vault. So we, what I'm trying to say is that you don't have to see your money for it to be your money. All right? Okay. I have a neighbor like that. There's no, don't use his house to joke that there's power. There's no power. Because he has power 24 hours a day. It's either EEDC, the public power supply. Obviously, he put an inverter a few days ago for a few hours. Before that, it was diesel all the time. They quench that light at 2 a.m. At 2.05, his own is on. You're here, one whispering spirit. Silence this generator. <laughs> no, there's way God bless you like that. You don't even know they, they can quench power. One day, Pastor Nibakari was talking. Maybe that's why I talk about Atlanta. He has a house in Atlanta. He has one in Lagos. And he said they are exactly identical. He built it deliberately like that. The one in Lagos and the one in Atlanta, they are at the same. Where this, this compound has a tree, the one in Atlanta has a tree in the same spot. And both have uninterrupted power supply. And constant water. Amen. Amen. 
There's a way God bless you that level, materially speaking. You never have to pray for any material thing. Do you really trust God? It's not reflected when you have to talk to other people, including your children. Your boy wants to marry you, asking who's the girl's father. And you know what I'm going to say? You're talking financially now. You are bringing a curse into that home. Unbelief is always a curse. Do you really have faith? You will tell, you will say to him, my son, everybody's the same. It's whether God blesses you or not. That's what you say. You say to your daughter, your presence in anybody's life is a blessing. It is when you start giving counsel to people who listen to you, who will do the things that you say, that is when at the point in time, your faith is reflected. And I call that the circumcision of um, Moses' son. Moses was circumcised. That's not the problem. Will he circumcise his son? Was what was going to kill him. Please, I hope you are getting my point here. Let's not behave as if God has forgotten our children just because we are not adults. The God that raised David from zero and made him a king can raise Solomon also. And that one thing I like about Isaac, when God wanted to bless Jacob, he made sure Jacob got his wealth, not directly from his father. He ran away from the house with nothing. If anybody inherited from Isaac, it was Esau. But when he returned, he returned with what? Great wealth. God wanted to show them that he was faithful in the life of Abraham. He was faithful in the life of Isaac. He can still be faithful. He's alive in the life of Jacob. What am I going to say? In the midst of every difficulty, remember, God knows being by name. If you are stranded on the road at 1 a.m., your car has broken down. It's a dangerous area. Remember, God knows me by name. He knows I am here. What if I'm there in disobedience? Quickly repent. Even Jonah was saved. If Jonah can be saved, who will not be saved? Have they swallowed you yet? No. I hope you know, Jonah was dead almost. One man said he died. Me, I can't say that. But Jonah could not open his mouth. He prayed his prayer at the bottom of the ocean, of the sea. Go and read it. He dropped down to the root of the mountains, he said. The witch there had entangled him. That was where he was praying. He couldn't open his mouth. Yet God heard him. And the fish went, went to the bottom of the ocean, scattered the debris there, swallowed the man. Then he woke up in the belly of the fish and began to give thanks. Go and read it. I don't have time to go there now. He began to give thanks. He gave thanks. And you know, people think that, um, and that was when he prayed. No. In the belly of the fish, he said something. I thought, I prayed. He, he was giving reference to something that happened before he began to speak. So his literal prayer was before then. Then his thanksgiving, the fish went and delivered him. You know, you know the way God does things? You know where the fish vomited him up? Where he was supposed to go initially. Before he was going by surface boat, now he came by submarine. <laughs> Somebody said that was one way by God made sure the people there believed him. And they say his grave was still there till recently. ISIS, you know, ISIS when they were destroying those, um, those things, that's when they destroyed the grave of Jonah. He was known as like the, the fish prophet, something like that. Because people saw the fish come to the surface and vomit him on the ground. And they saw 
And the fisherman saw it and ran to the city and, saw, and told the story. The man got up from the slime and everything, washed himself in the seawater, and then left. The next day, the same man began to preach. They believed because they saw the fish, they saw the ocean deliver him at their doorsteps. It's one major reason the people of Nineveh believed. That's how God worked it out. He worked everything for his own good. Even your mistakes. You've heard me preach that before. If you disobey God, you repent. It will make it look like he needed that disobedience to fulfill his destiny in your life. So if you find yourself stranded on the road where you don't belong, and God has not trapped you, say, Baba God, this is surface. I never enter boat fish. It's easy for you now. Just get me home. I repent in the name. I'm serious. Next thing you just hear, pa 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 pa. Somebody say, "Okay, any problem?" Uh, uh, yes, no problem. I'm here at one a.m. Anyway, yes, there's problem. You kind of foolish question is that one. How will I be here at one a.m.? There's no problem. Does it look like my father's house? Anyway, don't say it like that. They want to help you. You know so. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a testimony I heard recently. A fellow will hook your car to one tow truck, drag it to the front of your house. You run inside to go and get something to say thank you. You come outside. The street is empty. Your wife said, I didn't hear you arrive. You didn't hear that tow truck. Which tow truck? Angels, you have, you know, in them times somebody buy angels, did they modernize their vehicle? Gone are the days of chariot. You, you, you think you are more advanced than angels? They were drive anything they'd use, that's now you they use. They were using chariots, so you use chariot. They made their car, you had your own car. If angels come to help you now, they come with a Tesla. Electric car. Quiet, silent. They have their, they, there is nothing we have on this earth they don't have. What I'm saying is that God can deliver you from any trouble. God can deliver you from any trouble. Don't ever forget it. There is nothing, listen, the angels pass through walls. They fly through roofs. And I hope you know they kill people. Angels will stab your enemy, they will die. I'm not kidding. One of our brothers gave a testimony the other day. A, a, gun, a, a thief in Benin pulled a gun on him. He just, went, he just slowed down somewhere at a bad spot. Stop! He stopped. He looked. The guy pulled a gun. Aimed at him and said, oh, yeah, Come down, otherwise I'll shoot you. Suddenly he was provoked. He said, Shoot me. In Jesus' name, die. That guy fell down. He heard the gun hit the road. He just drove off. He saw his colleagues carrying him. He said, shoot who? In Jesus' name, die! Listen, the God I serve, let me tell you the truth. He's not nice. He's just. There's a difference between being just and being nice. He's good. I'm not saying he's not good. But I want you to know that when it comes to choking people, he chokes people. He said, he has driven out the enemy from before you, saying, let destruction overtake them. I started by saying, you know what you want? Trust. Trust. Let's bow down our heads. And say, Lord, plant your trust in my heart. It's an important prayer. Plant your trust in my heart.